The Incomparable. Number 455. April 2019. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell. And in this episode, we are going to, um, well, we're going to submit to your audience expectations and talk about the Star Wars Episode Nine trailer. That's what we're going to do. After I, I thought maybe we were done talking about trailers, but you see, they didn't just release the Star Wars Episode Nine teaser trailer today, and John Syracuse actually watched it, which is a big step. No, it isn't. I always watch the teaser trailer. <laughs> I always oh, watch it. We, I, I think I've been on podcasts discussing the teaser trailer with you. I feel like, I, feel like, I don't know, the, 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 the whole full media blackout thing is getting to me. Anyway, my point is, not only do we have a teaser trailer to talk about, but we have Disney Plus announcements to talk about and also a statement that after episode nine star wars movies are going to take a little bit of a hiatus so i thought you wrap those all together because surely we can't do two hours just on a teaser trailer we need some more topics (laughs) to talk about so an uh, hour per minute let me now introduce the people who uh, agreed today to come on a panel uh immediately to talk (laughs) about star wars things um there are the usual suspects like uh dan morin hello uh hi jason every generation has a legend i'm told mm, that's what i hear john syracuse saw a trailer because he always watches the te- teaser trailers hello john that's true uh, and just in case we don't get to the discussion of the hiatus i really hope this one isn't 16 years or whatever all right good get uh okay get your opening statement ready um also here david j lore hi i'm th- they find spock in this one right <laughs> i'm pr- i'm pretty sure they don't okay. uh kelly kamant okay. is here hello hi uh i was a couple minutes late because i was hanging upside down fighting a tie fighter with a lightsaber hmm. that's Again? well productive it's good it's, you know it's, it's good, friday a productive friday yeah uh chip sutter is here hi chip hello what have we here mm. <laughs> and moises chuyan is here Jason, I love interacting with brand tiles. It's the best way to get the right incomparable <laughs> podcast for just the right moment when you're feeling in the mood for the incomparable a Zeppelin lands directly on your front lawn and takes you to podcast land. Let's hear it for Synergy. <laughs> brand Synergy is very important. First, let's talk about a trailer, uh, a teaser trailer released uh, at, unveiled on the live stream at the Star Wars Celebration Convention. It is for Episode 9, which is coming out uh, in December and is directed by J.J. Abrams. And we're going to talk about what's in it. But first, I must ask, does anyone have an opening statement? I, I actually have an opening sentence. Okay. I think if your trailer is over two minutes long, it's a trailer. It's not a teaser. It's a trailer. I, I, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna react to uh, David's opening statement, which is I think I think what distinguishes the teaser trailer is I made the joke about the blackness, but like teaser trailers tend to have lots of black. Like they show you brief glimpses of the movie, but then they very quickly cross fade back to black so they can put some ominous words on the screen. And I think this fits the formula where it was a lot of black and it showed you glimpses of scenes, but cut away from them before the money shot. The trailer will have way more money shots. Fair enough. Well, that's the thing. There's no plot. There's like zero plot in it. Basically, well, there's no right. real dialogue. We we saw some people and some stuff and that was about and some words and that was about it that's what to me what makes a teaser a lot of people have been very uh, sad for me because like oh we know you don't like spoilers and you watch a teaser again we've already established i always watch a teaser uh mm-hmm. but like this <laughs> thing reveals like who's in the movie which i mean i didn't really know who was in the movie and it reveals presumably the big villain which i didn't know anything about and you might think those are terrible spoilers but it's not because 
those are all people I've heard of before. And I, you know, it's like, whatever. Like, I don't know what the story is. I don't know what's yeah. going to happen. And most importantly, which we will get to, I don't know what the hell that title means. So uh, half the trailer is a scene or part of a scene. And then the other half is quick montage of a bunch of stuff. So uh, we're going to do this incomparable style. Hey, that's us. And uh, dissect what's in the teaser trailer. And the first half of the trailer, uh, we begin, yes, with blackness and, and breathing. And we see that that it is Ray standing in the desert. She is sort of psyching herself up. She's got a, a lightsaber. Some uh, Something is coming at her from a distance. It is... A, uh, one of them uh, pointy TIE fighters. Do they have a name? <laughs> technical <laughs> term. Pointy TIE fighter. It looks to be the, the current iteration of a TIE interceptor oh, is I, I, the best I, I can figure. I think this one's specifically supposed to be uh, uh, allegedly, obviously, Kylo Ren's TIE silencer. It, has, it, ha- it must be a new version then because the cockpit looks different. Yeah, it's got red on it. Um, I don't know if this if this teaser trailer, you know, who knows if it has a, it's going to be reflective of the movie. But as someone who has always wished that, that this entire trilogy focused as heavily on Rey as the original trilogy does on Luke, I like that this trailer opens on her and she gets a lot of screen time because it makes me hope that the movie they're going to release is going to focus heavily on Rey because she's my favorite. I also think an interesting choice here that I, I went back and watched the teasers and the trailers from the previous episodes and... The teaser for both Force Awakens and Last Jedi also start with breathing as mm-hmm. like a part of it. So you have like mm-hmm. in the Force Awakens ones, you have Finn like panting when you see him in the desert. And right. then the, the, the Last Jedi one starts with Luke telling Rey to breathe. Hmm. So I mm-hmm. thought that was an interesting through line through all of those teasers is that there is a you know, there's some sort of connection there. <laughs> It's sponsored by Breathe Right Strips. All right. So has anybody... What? So what other than the uh, identity of the pointy TIE fighter and the <laughs> fact that Ray is obviously using her force powers to... I'm not sure whether it... How much it helps her given how fast the TIE fighter is coming for her to be running away from it before she does her backflip. Um, mm-hmm. It obviously helps a little bit, but it's coming really fast. So the, the speed disparity is pretty great. Although maybe... It, is she Jedi running? Can Jedis run faster? Is that part yes, of what they, they can, can do? They can run faster. Uh, episode okay, one established that, that they, they can run very fast. Forgive yeah, me. I don't remember everything about episode one. I, hmm. yeah. I'm just wondering why that TIE interceptor wasn't shooting at her. That's useless. Useless to shoot. She would just block the bolts away. Also, it doesn't need to be that low to shoot at her. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kind of thought yeah. that was where they were going with it. Like that the, the, the yeah. TIE fighter would, you know, fly at her and shoot and she'd block it with her lightsaber and we'd all be like, it's pretty cool. I'm glad that they took it in an entirely different direction, which was unexpected and also cool. Well, we know Kylo Ren is not the greatest military strategist as established by the last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> also, they're very careful not to show him here. Like, they show gloves, but they're very well, careful not mean, to show him. Yeah. Maybe right. it's one hell of a training sequence. It's a dream. Yeah. It's all a dream. So the, other thing, the other thing that's shown, by the way, in this very first shot is, you know, so she's there in her outfit. She's in the desert. She's looking. She's breathing. Uh, the thing pans down. And what has she got strapped to her belt? But the lightsaber that we saw cracked in half in the previous movie. But you can tell that it's been patched back together because it doesn't look the same as it did in A New Hope or Empire Strikes Back or uh, The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi. It's got a big black mm-hmm. band in the middle, and it's obvious that it has been patched back together. And that was also confirmed in the that it was Luke's lightsaber. That was confirmed during the panel. I mean, it could have been it could have been a master replicas, you know. So it's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Well, other interesting thing that came up when, when we were watching it again just now is uh, my fiance said to me, "Like, is she on 
Tatooine? I think it's Tatooine, which we don't know. We <laughs> honestly, is it another desert? Is it, is it Tatooine? Are we back on so Jakku? Where are Arrakis? Dune? Arrakis? Desert planet. There's vegetation, so I'm pretty sure it's not Tatooine, but I don't know where we are. But it the did... answer is Jordan. They're in Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it's aggravating to me to have the third one be on a desert planet again like we did that once for some of it yeah yeah you don't know how much time they spend there i mean that's the thing about well we know it's not all of it because there's more trailer after this and we see them in a different place we've also done desert planets in two out of every three right we end up on either endor or the moon of endor also known as endor yes where the death star (laughs) crash and that has a big ocean so i don't think you're going to be desert logged on this one uh yeah it could be tatooine it could be jakku it could be yet another desert planet it looks nice how do we feel about this these this wuxia uh jumping uh thing that she's doing there over the top over the top of the tie fighter Mm -hmm. yes i'm super duper in I have no idea what's happening, and I don't care. I just want to watch her do it again. And I totally endorse the running, because as a, a Jedi who is still learning uh, part of the whole thing, it's not like Dumbo with the feather, but you, if you're going to do a move like this, you have to kind of do it half the way you would normally do it if you didn't have mm-hmm. Force powers to get mm-hmm. yourself to do the thing with the Force powers. You know what I mean? you got to build up to it. Well, it's a little psyching up. I mean, the thing I like about it, as as compared to the way that the Jedi move in the prequels, is that in the prequels, they just suddenly, the wires suddenly move them, and whoosh, <laughs> yeah. there they go. The, it, it feels like there's actually some some internal logic to the to the made-up the physics kineticism. of this. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like Luke in, in Empire, where for the most part, he's fighting Vader by, like, scrambling around, like, uh, you know, like whatever. But every once in a while, in the process of scrambling around, he will shoot from one place to the other faster than you would think because he gets a little bit of the force power going. You don't know exactly how to do it yet. You got to just do the thing and hope while you're doing the thing that you will force your way into certain parts of it. Right. This definitely feels like she's following uh, Luke's uh, pattern from the original trilogy. You know, Force Awakens. She barely knows that she's connected to the Force. She, you know, she's brand. She's she's brand new to this. The Last Jedi was the training session. We opened with this trailer, and she's jumping over TIE Fighters. And she's made a new lightsaber. But but she doesn't make new. it look easy. Like, it's still quite an effort, right? And yes, she has fashioned herself a new lightsaber, which that, that scene will be in the deleted scenes. I will say one thing that struck me that goes very much against that grain is that in uh last jedi we got she got a costume upgrade that felt like her first movie costume but was distinctly different whereas this one she is back to what is almost exactly her first movie costume yeah. all over it's a little again. bit different but it's a little bit different, different subtly different but yeah it could be that, that some of the choices that were made were specifically to match yeah. with mm-hmm. the footage that they had from the force awakens mm-hmm. of Carrie Fisher uh, that they they knew they had to work with. So there's a lot of symbolism in the way that Luke was dressed in the original trilogy, right? Moving from the white to the black over the yeah, course of the gets, three she movies. She gets the priest collar just only around the back. You know, Luke gets the priest collar in Jedi. <laughs> so speaking of her outfit, I mean, I think this is the first instance of what I think is a theme of this trailer and possibly the entire movie. Uh, so you have The Force Awakens, right? And then The Last Jedi, I, I think we all mostly agree, and uh, most people talk about the movie, you tend to view it as doing the unexpected and, uh, you know, zigging instead of zagging. Not not entirely rejecting what has come before it, but subverting expectations and putting everybody in difficult situations that are unexpected. Uh, and that, that applies to both the viewers and the characters in the movie, right? Uh, and then the whole thing with JJ coming back is like, well, he can, you know, is he going to go back to what his original plan was? And that middle thing will just be an aberration. It's like, ah, oh, we'll be, we'll be back to the Force Awakens. But the interesting thing about going back to the Force Awakens, like her outfit kind of goes back to the Force Awakens, is going 
trying to go back to what things were like in The Force Awakens is itself a subversion of the movie that came before it in the same exact way that The Last Jedi was a subversion of the movie that came before it. So there's no avoiding, like, you know, if this movie necessarily has to do what The Last Jedi did by doing the opposite of what The Last Jedi did. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's kind of... Instead of Rey following the kind of progression that Luke did in the original trilogy, her conscientiously choosing to not, you know, not create another action figure look of herself and and go along that progression, but choose her own path in itself ends up being a subversion of 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 the the progression that we had originally. Yeah, right. Be- because of the last Jedi, it, I think it actually strengthens the the position of the last Jedi in, in the trilogy as that one that subverted expectations and then having and she's faced with decisions in that movie and she she grapples with them in a different way than luke luke had his own challenges her challenges are slightly different i'm not sure what her challenges are in this movie but visually the look of her going back to that original outfit i I can't view it as a sort of like we just had the middle chapter that was weird and these two bookends are normal i view it as continuing to subvert the one that came before it's like a quantum thing where once it's made once it has been like changed it changes the course dominate her destiny etc etc but like it's changed the whole it's like a it's like it collided with something and it set it off on a totally new trajectory i feel like i mean it's also unclear based on you know we know jj came in to do episode seven and was not intending to do anymore so he may not have had big overarching plans for how you know how he was going to conclude this trilogy because he was not planning to so there's always questions about that too to to follow on that thread you know one of the common things that people throw around they state as fact though it's it's really very speculative is oh well jj had his ideas and whatever and ryan johnson ruined this that and the other the 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 lucasfilm story group has so much more influence than a lot of people give them credit for and my understanding is that if the story group and kathy kennedy are not happy with the direction that things are going then people are going to come to loggerheads and directors get replaced and people have creative differences and so on and so forth but i i feel like there there was intentional bits of what we were familiar with what we were nostalgic for in episode seven that was there very intentionally to set up an episode eight that was going to subvert a lot of things and go this is not the same story that you saw before it may have a lot of the same elements it may have a lot of the same themes a lot of the same signposts but we're going somewhere different with it. And this is the most uncharted territory that we've stepped into yet. I was actually feeling really trepidatious about this trailer and about episode nine because uh, Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi is my favorite Star Wars. And all of that melted away when Ray jumped over a flipping TIE fighter. <laughs> well, and and to, to, to sort of, you know, jump on top of what Moises was saying, like, like it was a TIE fighter, um, I... I think that, you know, backwards and upside down. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, again, this is a very different era of Star Wars than than what came before. And the fact that Disney in particular is not only controlling, you know, the the future of Star Wars, but has, you know, as we'll talk about a little bit, mapped out plans for other Star Wars things to happen. Of course, they exert a lot of control. And of course, they're going to exert probably more overarching control than any individual director working on a movie it is their name on the checks it is their brand at the end of the day 
So, uh, you know, certainly there are individual details that are brought in by these creators, but let's not lose the sight of the fact that we're talking about a multi-billion dollar franchise. All right. We are perilously close to the second half of this two minute long trailer, Um, but I want to take a break right now and tell you about our sponsor this week. Our sponsor is Pingdom. While you have been listening to us dissect a minute of a trailer for a lot more than a minute, how would you know? If a website that means a lot to you, maybe the one you run, how, how would you know if it had gone down? Would you know if your customers couldn't buy products or check their shopping cart or access your content or log into their account? You might stumble across that problem by accident. You might not know until somebody complained to you. It's not good. You want to know immediately, and that's what Pingdom is all about. Pingdom lets you know the moment your site goes down in whatever way works best for you, and they're smart. They get the information needed to solve the issue, and they send it to whoever needs to know immediately. That could be one person, key person on your team. It could be everybody if you really need it to be that way. You decide pingdom is dedicated to making the web faster and more reliable they have more than 70 global test servers to emulate visits to sites they will check your site's availability as often as every minute all they need to get started is your url they will take care of the rest don't risk being the last person to know that something has gone wrong on your website computers are dangerous and unreliable and they will betray you at the first sign of your weakness and humans are weak Start monitoring your site right now at pingdom.com slash Snell. That's where you need to go for a 14-day free trial, no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code Snell, my last name, at checkout. You'll get 30% off your first invoice, pingdom.com slash Snell. Thank you, Pingdom, for supporting the incomparable. Okay, um, I want to, before we move on to the second half, I want to uh, address the voiceover because we hear the voice of Luke here saying, we passed on all we know, a thousand generations live in you now, but this is your fight. And that uh, probably thematically ties in, who knows, maybe to the title, but it is an interesting way that uh, that the the presumably the ghost of luke is basically saying you know this we've we've handed the history of the jedi to you but you're the one who's there and you have to do the fighting she took the books herself to be fair she did Mm -hmm. (laughs) well they weren't handed well the information was passed down the books themselves maybe she left with all she needed i think yoda sold him that yeah yeah is there any doubt that there's going to be a blue glowy in this movie I mean, you no, very little. little. Very little. I have no doubt. Yeah, none. yeah. It's it's a matter of how many and and what forms they take. It's, it's just Luke picking mm. up the lightsaber after last time. Like, so sorry about that. Yeah, so speaking, <laughs> speaking of things that we expect to see and things that are in this, t- I guess we haven't gotten to yet. I was going to skip to the last scene. Sorry, but it, I'm, I'm thinking along those same <sighs> lines of scenes we expect in this movie, uh, and the one with Leia that they show in the trailer makes me. I don't know. It makes me think that potentially there can be scenes with Luke without him being blue and glowy because flashbacks are a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we flash back. We flash back to Ray's parents leaving her mm-hmm. as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not off the table anymore. It's just all it's all uh, blue milk flashbacks. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> blue milk all the way down. I mean, I think it's interesting that uh, at the beginning, Luke is so gravelly. Right. And so, so kind of grave. I'm like, is that Luke? I feel like his it's he's been a narrator for, you know, trailers and teasers and, and things before. So I think it's appropriate, uh, especially mm-hmm. given the title of this movie and in, in the old uh, Skywalker mm-hmm. saga thing. 
but I, I, you know, well, I guess we'll talk about the title in a little bit, but I'm, I'm not sure how all it ties in, but I think he does a good job as a uh, trailer voiceover. Well, I, I feel like that trailer voiceover leads into stuff that I'll, I'll, I'll circle back to as we get to more of it and more of the ground that it covers. You know, the, the constant refrain of who are Ray's parents really? Is she really a Skywalker? Is she a Kenobi? You know, all that kind of stuff. This is not that kind of, it, it is not that family lineage and midichlorians and um, some sort of patrilineal, um, uh, uh, you know, passed down inheritance that that determines who is allowed to be a hero. What matters is who Ray is, not who Ray is connected to. Um, it matters how she chooses her destiny from here. It's not the destiny that somebody else made for her. Um, and, and, and I, I love, I love the notion of this being her fight now, period, end of story, everything rests on her shoulders. And, you know, it's not because of her last name. It's not because of how she was brought up. It's not because of some conspiracy to kill off everyone in her family line. She is just a person. Well, and it's also the passing of the torch from the old generation, like not just the fact that Luke has trained her and that Han, you know, was sort of her mentor and that Leia has acted as, you know, sort of a a authority figure for her as well. All of those previous generation characters have sort of distilled into, all right, like we've we've sort of set the way for you and we've given you the tools and the information that you need, but you've got to be the one to sort of see this fight through. So I agree with what Morses saying, like it's it's about passing the torch and it's about saying that, you know, this person can be is our sort of hero, is our chosen one even, but they don't have to be, be not chosen necessarily because of who they were related to, but because she's a, she's a chosen one who chose herself. Yeah, they they are they are deserve to be a hero. She's alone in this movie in a way that Luke wasn't in Jedi. I mean, Yoda was still alive in, in the beginning of Jedi, but this movie she is absolutely alone. Like Luke, Luke is gone. Yoda's no, she, gone. She's got her, gone. she's got her race squad. She's got her pals. Right, they're but all in terms of like the Jedi, like the, the trees Jedi. burned down. Yeah. Like it's all it's all just over. So in, in, yeah, in but does some, it matter? I think I think that's part of it. Is does it matter? Do you have to have a squad of super powerful space wizards with laser swords or do you just need people who have your back no question you don't when you're a girl moises when you're a girl you just handle your business because you do what (laughs) needs doing and yeah let's talk for a minute about how the opening of a very very anticipated movie at the very very end of a great trilogy of a which is the end of a trilogy of trilogies and how everybody's been waiting for this movie and it spends the first minute minute on the girl because let me tell you how interesting and revolutionary and i'm not gonna lie the first time i saw this trailer my eyeballs got very very sweaty in the first 30 seconds of this trailer all of a sudden it was a very weird phenomenon i never thought i would get this because princess leia has been my idol my whole life anybody's ever heard me on a podcast talk anything about star wars or even not about star wars i always end up bringing it back to princess leia in this in this respect like princess leia is a badass like there's no question about it but she is limited in what she's able to do because you know because of like the circumstances and everything else and ray in a way that ray is not and so watching ray do this is spectacular on every level um, okay, that's half an hour about minute one. Now we're going to go to minute two. <laughs> Welcome back to the fourth hour of the incomparable Star Wars trailer marathon. I am going to um, describe a flash of a video and uh, throw it open for some commentary and then we'll move on. So I believe in the grand tradition of incomparable drafts, I'm going to declare lightning round. We Everybody who's <laughs> listened to this podcast knows the lightning rounds. 
often or not mm-hmm. that fast. Anyway, uh, the next thing we get is a uh, scene of some mountains and clouds and a spaceship zips along and there's some cities down in a valley. Is that an A-wing? Is that an like A-wing? That was my question, yeah. too. Hey, it's Kylo Ren. He's still in the movie. He's still got his ridiculous lightsaber with the things coming out the sides. And in a very, very red film-graded thing, either the entire planet is on fire, or it's a very spectacular sunset, or it's just that he's in the First Order, and everywhere he goes, everything's tinted slightly red. He is running through the forest, slamming uh, slamming a guy to the ground, and... Uh, and uh, there are stormtroopers around. Because why use your fancy lightsaber when you can WWE tackle a guy? He did. He, he, he stabs him with the little side, side thing. Yeah. Into him. Right I, was all, really I, was I thought that. he got him, yeah, with the lightsaber and used that to lever him to the ground. It's showing off at this point. You know what? I'm going to stab you. I'm also going to body slam you. Because, He's got a lot of anger you know, issues. Actually, I think that to me that scene read as, you know what? We know you all made fun of the stupid little cross guard thing. Here's how it would be actually useful. <laughs> Here's this. one scene. Yep. Yeah. yeah like, he's already demonstrated how those cross things work on like the console of his uh you know ship or whatever they're gonna no, get no, a lot yeah, of mileage on an enemy belly well, button. there's something going on in the in the trees uh of planet red whatever moon red whatever mm-hmm. it is i, I think jj <laughs> like just like shooting things in red yeah well i mean it's 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 color graded for for kylo ren right, right. and Ky- right. he kylo ren is so powerful he could have his his executive assistant hux no longer general executive assistant hux uh you know shoot a bunch of a red you know red red fireworks and streamers yeah he's the ginger maker he can do yeah. that yeah yeah uh okay so the next scene is a uh, home a little home tech project that uh, kylo ren is working on where he is apparently welding his or soldering his whatever it is kintsugi right his darth vader fan helmet back together sheepishly because he's the one who broke it his <laughs> grandpa cosplay helmet and he's like yeah. you know what no this was cool I was, I was wrong about that <laughs> well that's everybody thinking that the the that's sort of the symbolism of jj going back on everything from before yeah, well, yeah, yeah okay that's roll my eyes a little crap, bit but, uh you know there, there's a bit of, of of you know wabi-sabi the beauty and broken things of ray putting her lightsaber back together um you know the the kintsugi but like heavy metal kintsugi <laughs> of kylo ren red welding his helmet back together because it's got it's got to be so he's got to be the most heavy metal the most heavy metal Sith of all time. To Moises's point there, I think that's an interesting, interesting parallelism happening where they've both sort of, after having that moment of deciding, are they going to team up? Are they going to meet in the middle in some way in The Last Jedi? We have them both stepping back and reasserting like, no, I am rebuilding Luke's lightsaber. That is my legacy. I am rebuilding my helmet. That is my uh, legacy. I, I don't know if he's rebuilding his helmet. It's someone rebuilding his helmet, but that someone has a lot of hair coming out of their yeah. hands and wrists. Yeah, I don't know what's right. up with that. Maybe he maybe outsourced it. <laughs> yeah, that's the welder. <laughs> All right, uh, next scene is, hey, it's it's Finn. Remember Finn? And Poe, remember Poe? And they are in the desert, it looks like, with the rocks and stuff. And Finn's got that's a... where they live as a couple. A, fa- a fancy, like, uh, tech... Uh, staff or something. That's Ray's staff. Oh, is that Ray's staff? He's been promoted to her staff. Carrier. <laughs> carrier. Yeah. Is that for her? It's part of the staff, is the staff carrier. I like that they're standing there like they're in a photo shoot, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's, That's a very cover. album cover. I like it. They look it. really pretty. I gotta be honest. They look really pretty. They do. Well, you know, she said, I, you guys stand over there. I'm gonna stand out here in the middle and flip over a uh, TIE yeah. fighter. You guys just wait Boss over lady, there. <laughs> Boss watch. lady's gotta watch. go work. You guys go stand there and be pretty. Stand there and look pretty. I got things to do. I, I like Poe's new haircut. Indeed. That's why people tune in. Uh, next shot is droids. We have BB-8 and next to him... Look, sir. D-O... <laughs> 
the new uh, droid who is kind of like a uh, bowling pin stuck on a wheel. <laughs> yeah, well, he's th- th- someone did the MST3K parody, and it is very, very. I was going to say yep. Joel Bolton. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. seems like the, the the budget for droid locomotion has been going down. Three PO <laughs> gets actual legs. R two gets like okay, kind of like legs, but they're mostly sticks with with ankles. Uh, BB eight gets a ball. This guy is like, you know what? You get a wheel. Yeah, that's it. Like a like a cone duck head. You get a cone with a and a wheel attached to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two antennas though. <laughs> no, that's good. It's like a part of a hair dryer though. <laughs> yeah. Next scene, Millennium Falcon going through hyperspace. Chewbacca is uh, in his traditional co-pilot spot, and in the pilot spot is Lando Calrissian. Well, I, I love this. One oh, of my favorite man. shots in the whole trailer, because you know Billy Dee Williams has been out there and like, guys, you want, if you want me to be in a Star Wars movie, I'm, I'm, right, I'm right here. I'm ready. And like, finally, finally he gets the call, and like, I don't even need, think he needs to act in this scene. They would just be like, they did it! I'm and in a movie the, again! <laughs> the joy on his face. Oh, I yeah. mean, yeah. come on. You know the, uh, the there's also a meme going around that made me laugh, which is the that exchange I from was, uh, I was just gonna from say Solo. from Solo, which is like yeah. uh, you I'm, know I'm, I'm gonna get my, get my ship back. back over my dead body, and then the last shot is Billy D. Williams looking happy yep. in the episode nine trailer, and it's like all right, you got that, you got it. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. That was solid, solid. <laughs> I like that somebody else pointed out he seems to be wearing the exact same outfit Donald Glover was wearing. <laughs> In the solo movie with the yellow shirt, yeah, the I, he's had that tailored no, a little bit. That was that was the thing I found the most hilarious. Is not only does he still have that cape, he has that entire outfit. Yeah. he's like, no, no, no. This is a good outfit. This looks good on me. <laughs> he's still like, got a cape. I'm going to get buried Come on. in this. Like, I am. I'm going to live. I'm going to. I'm going to live in this outfit. I'm going to wear it until I die. It may be that he they just never. The they never took his stuff out of the closet in the Millennium Falcon, and so he needed some new clothes. And he's like, all right, well. I got the cape closet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. hey, backup he's closet. bringing it Han back. Like to cosplay sometimes. It's been long enough. He's bringing it back. Yeah. As part of the space fantasy that your clothes will still fit you. I mean, he wore time. Han's stuff for a while. So, yeah. you know. Unstable molecules, True. John. Unstable molecules. Okay, the mm-hmm. next scene, we're in the <laughs> desert. There's a uh, a uh, sort of uh, skiff thing that we're going to see later that's got uh, C-3PO, uh, Finn, and Poe on it. And they're being chased mm-hmm. by a bunch of uh, stormtroopers on uh, little... Brooms. They're on brooms, right? Floating jet, motorcycle jet things. They're on the Nimbus 2000. Well, this is what I call the friend of the pod racer section of the Yeah. Trailer. So I looked, and it's it looks like they're going down lanes, but actually, if you if you, if you you step through the frames, these little posts, these little uh, pillars that they're riding through are seem to be spread across the whole desert floor, so they are probably not... This is not... Probably so not a pod a racing farm. track. It is a moisture Jason, farm. Jason, you yeah. did radically more prep work for this than I did. <laughs> I, I, I frame advanced and scrub. I'm impressed. He's a podcast frankly. professional. Oh, yeah. Now this is podcasting, but not pod racing because this looks like it's not that. It's just a chase through the desert, and uh, and as this uh, we see the you know a, a couple of stormtroopers fly through the 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 cloud of dust, and we see them uh, firing at the the ship that's got Poe and and Finn and three uh, PO on it, and three PO is uh, you know complete. Yeah, I just can tell from his body language he's complaining. So these stormtroopers are not actually on brooms; they have jetpacks, but they yeah, look I, a lot I, like they are on brooms. I, I saw jetpacks the first time, so I'm just yeah. gonna stick with that. There's a very Harry Potter kind of feeling did, there. Did we see any R2D2 in this whole thing? I did mm, not. Pretty sure. I think so. We saw we no, saw three PO. So. We saw BB8. We saw uh, Dio. Ronnie James Dio. Ronnie James Dio. Yes. Um, <laughs> But I didn't see any R2-D2, so is, is R2-D2 on a, a secret covert spy mission? Could be. Because I'd be fine He's with wherever that. Princess He's Leia drinks. is. There is a yeah. crashing A-wing, I, I guess. I'm just glad to see the A-wing back, is mm-hmm. all I'm saying. It's my favorite Starfighter. It's very like quick. It. it just sort of like goes from left to right, and there's another ship in the background, and uh, that's all we see of it. 
All right, so the next shot is a medal. Yeah, and these are the medals from uh, Medal Ceremony and A New Hope. That's right. I, I've seen a lot of people Chewy's. saying it, that should be Chewbacca's medal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We sent it. I don't know. I lost in the mail, but here it is. They finally found it. They're going to give it to him. <laughs> it took only took 40 years. It's fine. It's placement before... I mean, the, if you think about it, the receivers of the of the medals in A New Hope are uh, are gone now. They are. So, mm. My first thought was that it was Hans and that... Somebody had it. That somebody had Hans for some reason, and that that's why that that's whose it was that was yeah. or it was there just Luke's as a moment, and and it was kept somewhere, and you know, but one of those. Again, it, right. it, it looks yeah. like an older woman's hands holding it, so we assume it's supposed to be Leia's hands, but you can't really. Yeah, tell. it seems yeah. like. Yeah, right. and if it is Leia's hands, then it would it would link to the notion that this is among the footage that was cut from Force Awakens, and it just segues directly into the yes, Leia, shot, Leia so. is. Uh, so we get Carrie Fisher as Leia. Uh, hugging Ray, and we get the reverse shot of Ray hugging Leia. Now, at the panel, when asked about this, what they said was, "There's no, you know, computer-generated Leia in this movie." But there were a bunch of scenes from Force Awakens, not from the Last Jedi, but from Force Awakens, that either got cut for length or when they did reshoots and changed some of the story, those scenes came out. And mm-hmm. either way, they have footage of her that they were able to write around what footage they had to give her a send off. And I remember, so I was telling, um, I, we watched this trailer earlier today and I was telling my wife that, that that they had done this. And she's like, isn't that kind of bad to like have your last thing in the, in the, in the franchise be the stuff that was, uh, that was no good. So they cut it out of the movie. And I said, I don't think it's the stuff that was no good. I think it's the stuff that they structured out of the movie. And I I think she would have been angrier about like, you know, dying (laughs) about dying before finishing this thing. And so to get, to get her character to have at least some sort of an ending and working around it. But it is interesting that it's JJ Abrams using stuff. JJ shot for last Jedi that is being used. And I assume that they've built a bunch of stuff around those scenes so that they make sense fascinating constraint and will either be really great or kind of weirdly yeah. disjointed <laughs> now I, I have to say that i mean what i'm about to say strays into the world of you know rumor and speculation and all that kind of stuff because uh lucasfilm and disney have acted like a bunch of stuff that happened in the production of force awakens didn't happen they've constructed the legend of how the movie was made like they just don't publicly acknowledge the fact that production shut down when han uh sorry harrison ford <laughs> crashed, I, I, crashed I, a plane I, on a golf only, course sorry yeah, crashed Andy. a plane on a golf course they shut down production and that affected the flow of the movie and they had to shift things around like they unkilled poe dameron <laughs> he was originally supposed to die and stay dead um so there there really was kind of a different they they were not they were kind of giving themselves a lot of options so i i feel really good about this uh, tending toward the unexpectedly incredibly heartwarming and great side and not feeling feeling weirdly re-engineered you know like a frankenstein's monster of assembled footage um because i i gather that they shot a lot of stuff that they just didn't use at all so it'll be fascinating to see i mean like dan said it is an it is a different kind of creative challenge from the challenge of saying we're going to make a cgi version of peter cushing this is or or of carrie fisher as a young woman we're going to do footage and then 
that we know we have and i'm sure they can do things to put you know different people in it and stuff but we've got the footage of her how do we write something that makes sense and that fits and that will be i'm sure all of us the general public will not even pay attention they'll think like oh they must have shot it before she died which is not true but uh, right. all the nerds will be right. watching right. thinking well that cg's really good there's plenty of stuff already in in all movies where dialogue is spliced in separately For from sure. the scene which is yeah. recorded mm-hmm. so that's fairly easy right. and i'm sure they have a lot of unused takes of things or stuff that got cut that they can play with so i'm curious to see how that how they do it how yeah. that yeah and it's it's an interesting challenge to have to deal with and especially when you're dealing with a character this central to mythology but I, I am Absolutely. so glad that they have something to put her in the movie because yes. it would be oh yeah that'd be criminal. so bad and every time we watch the movie afterward we'd be like oh you know they never got to give carrie fisher they never got to give leia her send-off at all yeah i guess she died in the crawl or something like that yeah. was the worst case scenario. Say what you will about uh, Kathleen Kennedy and the Lucasfilm Story Group, but one thing that they are that they, that they are clearly devoted to is protecting the franchise. They won't they won't insert footage that they don't think won't serve the film. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. true. I think that's right. And I think they would honor Carrie Fisher. They would not want to stick Carrie Fisher in in some like. You know, oh, here she is. She has a vague conversation with somebody, and then they mention that she died off camera. Like, that would not serve the character or the actress well. Leia's down on that planet. Oh, the planet just blew up. Yeah, exactly. They don't want to do something like that. Well, I mean, they have to... The, I don't I don't know how they're going to handle that, but that's why I was thinking that this scene could be a flashback because it, it having been shot during The Force Awakens, she looks like she did during The Force Awakens down to the outfit and hairstyle. And if you do it as a flashback, you can get away with sort of a lot of like non-continuity where it's just kind of glimpses and memories. Could be. It doesn't have to be a coherent sure. scene. You just need a couple of lines. Well, yeah, the challenge right? with that being that we know she was on the Falcon at the end of Last Jedi and there will be all the questions right, about yeah, where is she now? The, oh, she they, they mysteriously to, died? Yeah. They yeah. are faced with that problem, but I think you can also use some of that footage as, as you know, flashback flavor of her thinking about the her relationship with Leia. I well, mean, here they're just hugging each other. There's right? also so, mysticism like, here, too, of the idea that it may be, you know, a vision of Leia or something where Ray can ask her questions, but she's not going to get answers or it's a dream or something. There are, there are some other ways to, to kind of finesse the it. The total masterstroke thing that would shock me is if they somehow ended up with enough to leave her alive at the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd like to do a sure, different sort of quarter. <laughs> okay, the next scene, and there's lots to speculate out of here. We have walking through um, some grass with some hills in the background. Group we have, shot. We have Chewbacca. We have uh, the two. We have three droids. None of whom is R two D two, by the way, but it's C three PO, BB eight, and Do. Uh, we have uh, Ray. And Finn and Poe. You can see that she has a hood on her outfit, by the way, another Jedi edition. Now yes, she can that was cool in the, in the first shot, too. You can see she's. this is a hoodie. They have hoodies. Hoodies are a good style for Jedi. Um, and then there's a reverse shot where we see they are standing on the edge of some cliffs by the ocean, and there is a rough ocean water in the background. And behind that is a giant piece of wreckage that looks very much like the bottom part of the uh mega weapon bowl dish thingy from the, the death super star. laser so uh uh you broke your little death star got some of your death star in my uh in my ocean here but which one 
so a lot of speculation on which well okay i i believe for reasons that we'll discuss in a moment that this has to be the death star 2 mm-hmm. for yep. one being the first death star was i think destroyed much farther from right, yavin mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it was just out uh, in the solar system yep and and for other reasons that we will describe shortly right after this scene now before we get to the the chunk of the trailer that uh, dan is referencing one of the things that in theory they could be scavenging a the down death star for is the gigantic amount of kyber crystals that are used to create that giant death star laser beam that are the same raw material that are used to make lightsabers she can make like a really big lightsaber (laughs) (laughs) you know dan i was thinking something totally different but i like your idea could ray make a lightsaber so big that she could not lift it with the force that's the question hey dad i think ray should make a lightsaber is as big as a planet. What about like oh my five? God. We're doing no. five saber blades. <laughs> Rebel cruisers that can transform into giant robots and wield blazing swords like Voltron. So I I assume that this is Endor, and the reason I assume is not only yes that the Death Star two. Wait, 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 do you mean the moon of Endor, or do you mean Endor? Well, Endor, it's boy. the same thing. John. Also known as Endor, thing. Forest Moon of Endor. I checked. I checked Return of the Jedi today, <laughs> and and uh, they act, in a in a mistake, I think Admiral Akbar oh. literally says the same thing: the Forest Moon of Endor twice because like once wasn't good enough. He says the exact same phrasing. And I mean, nobody corrected him because who cor- who corrects the admiral? I prefer Sanctuary Moon, also known as Endor. Thank you. Um, I will say the reason i think of it most is that um this is movie three and so Mm -hmm. if you're going to do resonance like uh, one of the knocks on force awakens which i get plot wise it is a uh it it is kind of a photocopy of of the original star wars i get it i think there are reasons i think it's a great movie um i i think it adheres a little bit too close but you know we went into that we did like three podcasts about that but i feel like (laughs) jj abrams and everybody involved is like it's the last movie of a trilogy. How could you not have resonance with Return of the Jedi? And so going, not only that, but over the years, people have talked a lot about what would have been the impact on Endor of this enormous space station exploding right above Endor. And there are those things about like the, it's the uh, the Ewok apocalypse as pieces of the Death Star <laughs> rain down on Endor. Well, th- these things make me think, oh, there you go. There's maybe on the, the. Shouldn't it just be an Ewokalypse? <laughs> it fell in the That's ocean, good. but oh, the real boy. problem Ow. with the Ewoks was the fireworks from the X Wings set fire to their whole yeah, forest. That's, so. true. <laughs> that's true. They were dead by the time the wreckage hit the ground. It's fine. Uh, uh, Luke Luke kind of walked away from his uh, his Vader fire and it just kind of went wild. This also that. really just uh, puts paid to that whole like planets that are one single ecosystem thing from the original. Yeah, you got grass, is, you got oceans. There's an ocean here. That's great. It's, it's just also a moon. Separate, it's I just it a moon. Forest. It's not a full planet. It's the ocean moon of Endor. Uh, it's yeah. it's also uh, you know obviously harkening back back to the Force Awakens and JJ again the downed Star Destroyer, which is a big part yes. on Jakku. So as somebody I think in our chat in our Slack room pointed out, uh, JJ loves taking things from space and putting them on planets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he put he put the Enterprise in the ocean. In a later yep. in a later Star Wars trilogy, I find it really resonant that one of the things we keep seeing is the wreckage of the of the yes, original trilogy. Of the original yeah. trilogy, right? Yeah. Like yep. to say it's the been. Impact. Oh, this is what happened is this you it was great that you blew this thing up but then it crashed and now it's wreckage and then yeah. now there are people scavenging from the wreckage i think that's yeah, a, our, a nice our oceans are irradiated <laughs> thanks <laughs> thanks a lot some, some people would say that these new movies truly did wreck the original trilogy those people are wrong um but that is something they're fond of saying it's more yeah, like I, the original I, trilogy wrecked these movies right because it left all its yeah, garbage that, around exactly <laughs> take that arrow of causality <laughs> 
But I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, JJ, you're going back to the Death Star again. But so, no, it's the broken Death Star. And the, the Death Star is a big part of Star Wars. And I like I, I like this better than Starkiller Base, right? Like the idea yeah. that, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. They, 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 here's the wreckage of the Death Star that ended up landing in, on this moon. That's great. I look forward to the movies 40 years from now when they talk about the wreckage of Starkiller Base and all the damage yeah. that did. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. that was nice because it was a self-contained, like it was its own planet. Right, smart. So, they learned something. This was the minute where this trailer really started to bother me because I know that J.J. Abrams is directing and I know that the two things he directed before this were he gave me episode four again and he gave me Wrath of Khan again before that. So what you're and saying so, is get ready for some Ewoks. <laughs> so what I'm saying is as a person who lives on the correct side. <gasps> ready for some Ewoks. That's who was welding uh, Kylo Ren's mask. It yes. was an Ewok. <laughs> Wicked. You know what Wicket? Wicket was one of the three Ewoks that survived the X-wing firework disaster. It's a super grizzled <laughs> now, though. Like he's like missing yeah. an eye. Those, those yeah. aren't Ewok hands. Yeah. Ever since four years ABY, Wicket like, has had it out for his former allies. The but, e- Ewok hands must return it. They say. Yeah. But that's it, it. Bugs me because you get to play in this whole vast wide universe with all of these things and all of these places and all of these stories to tell. And you're going to give me one I already have. But it, in terms of this, it seems to me less. And some of it has to do with the, the sort of mythic structure. And some of it is just you want to go to the movies to see new characters and new things. But you also want to be reminded of all the things that you liked before. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot yes. of other. Yeah, there's a lot of other really rich areas that they're going to explore. And I think we'll talk about that shortly. That's like, my hope. And I think that that's the reason that they feel confident that they can spend so much time in these movies evoking the past movies. But like we spent some time on a desert planet. We got like something that looked like a speeding sail barge. And then we get a hunk of Death Star that looks like it's on a forest planet. And the problem is that I've seen that movie already. I've been watching that movie for a goodly portion of my entire life. And so I want a new movie. And I like I love the hits. You, you've seen people scavenging the remains of the Death Star? We haven't seen that yeah, before. It was, it, it's, it's a different part of the story, but it needs to be part of that whole story right it's it is still a saga it is still right and i'm i'm happy i'm happy to see a but i want i want more out of it than tell me return of the jet you know what if return of the jedi but 2019 is not a movie i'm interested in seeing so i want it to be better and more and interesting and cool and different my optimism is that jj abrams has learned his lesson um that you know force awakens i think force awakens was trying very hard to give you the star wars that you liked after the prequels and yes. that it was it I, and i don't have a problem with that because i think that was actually the movie that they needed to make this one if he just rehashes return of the jedi i think is a mistake but i think not having some resonance with it especially since you are basically wrapping up the entire nine movie you know thing that that started with the original star wars and then you know went backward and then jumped forward again i think you got to have that but i but i i agree it could go too far i didn't read it that way but you're right i mean nobody jumped over a tie fighter in return of the jedi i think so it's got that going. which is why i'm hopeful but like and i get like i get calling back i get going i mean we've got characters from the original movies i understand that i'm good with all of that and i don't and i know that you're good that what they're doing here is intentionally trying to put a bow on these nine not you know or six depending who you ask and they and put these together and have this can this more you know overall self-contained tale in this unit of storytelling and i absolutely get that and i'm looking forward to it and i don't expect them to forsake all that has come before but i also 
don't need it to be note for note and that's the thing that i'm worried about because the last two things he's directed have been a lot closer than i would have liked and that's it that's that's would you say that it's fair for me to say that that you're hoping that the galaxy is not as small as it feels like it could be yes Um, like there's only a series of different references they can jump to like i'm I'm totally i'm totally with you on that front where i like i have the same hesitation of Ooh, I mean, we've got to go back to the well because that's part of closing off a gigantic three act uh, story made up of three act stories. Um, so like, I, I have that same, oh, please stick this landing. Please, um, please stay the course. Please don't just make this another uh, Force Awakens. And I like I, I, I feel I feel like there's a certain amount that they've got to. But there's yes. so there's so many missing pieces too. I have no idea what story they're telling here. I have no idea where Rose Tico and R two D two are. Like what spy missions they're on. I absolutely believe the two of them are off together doing having some sort of. We have adventure. our we have an entire new character who was talked about during the panel who is nowhere in this trailer. Nope. Yeah. One of the things that I think that this movie could be is it could be the perfect synthesis between the homage uh, to the original uh, trilogy and the original movie of The Force Awakens. With some of the subversiveness and challenging the uh, the franchise uh, from the Last Jedi, maybe this is going to have two great tastes that go great together. This is my fondest hope. I'm just glad that we have we have a Death Star again, and it's not an actual Death Star that's operational and doing Death Star stuff. It's a Death Star that's already dead. <laughs> I, now witness the power of my slightly broken but mostly destroyed Death Star. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the thing that really appeals to me about it is that. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to have callbacks to the original trilogy, but I want to know why they have to go back to a broken Death Star. Right. Well, what they, are they, they looking answer for? that in the next scene. Well, but I think I think they answer that in the next scene. Maybe they do and maybe it's only part of it. I think um, something to keep in mind here is that the this is the end of this sequence. And while Star Wars as a franchise is going to continue and we will move on to that pretty soon, um, this is this is i feel like your last chance to do the direct callbacks to the original trilogy this is the end sure. of this story and so if you're going to do it do it now and and the, that's going to be the end of it so i'm okay yep. with them doing it now th- because this is the the end of the story there will not be an episode 10 right so this is going to be how it how it ends um but the, the trailer cuts to black at this point and uh there's nothing interesting going on there except an evil laugh that sounds very much like it's the emperor so uh there's After we've that had the voiceover from luke saying that not saying that not, nothing ever really goes away nothing ever ever dies no ever really gone and yeah. and and you're and you're getting all this heartwarming gooey feeling about <laughs> luke and leia and that's obviously what they're talking about and then and then you hear the emperor uh, but and of course in the on the panel stage this this trailer then ended with ian mcdermott being on stage uh, telling people to roll the trailer again so play it again <laughs> yeah so so with that with that voice thing it makes me think that when they're walking to the broken death star they're not going to collect crystals they're not just sightseeing they're going there because if the emperor was chucked down a big hole in the death star and then the death star blew up and crashed onto a planet presumably the emperor was in the death star when it crashed he's, he's the fine planet, he's and maybe fine. he's still hanging yeah. out there he's a ghost 
he's the maybe ghost he's, of the Death maybe Star. he's got a little lair maybe he's ghost. maybe that's where he's hiding out like why would they be going to the Death Star to try to find him or his lair like honestly I don't see what else would be in the Death Star Sorry, that's for, the right. uh, cuts you missed right. the cut scene from Return of the Jedi where after you know Vader throws him down the shaft Luke turns to Vader and goes do you think he's okay mm. yeah no they, they leave and the whole thing blows up but you know obviously the blowing up doesn't make it go away when you, when you throw a Death Star away where is away Right. I, I, I will right. throw out my uh, my flashback theory here as well, which is um, in the in the episode nine last of this storyline. It wouldn't shock me if what we actually get is a flashback to Darth Vader and the Emperor from earlier, because, mm-hmm. you know, people are interested in those characters. And the I believe, given the title and some theories, but I, I think um, the themes of this about the Jedi and the Jedi not being all they were cracked up to be and it being over with the Jedi, I think you could apply some of that to the idea of the Sith as well, that there is this, you know... In, the Sith have always had a crap system. This We've imbalance, that. <laughs> right? Yeah. That, that maybe maybe this is about getting beyond the those two the parts. two-person system? Yeah, exactly. Two-party <laughs> systems are no good. You need proportional representation. System. It's like these Skywalkers brought down both sides so uh they're they're working from within and then the title is revealed which is this is star wars episode nine the rise of skywalker which makes no sense none <laughs> yeah grammatic grammatically it's got some interesting well luke, choices. Uh, luke is obviously coming back from the dead as a zombie mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. 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 It, tell me more so the, like here's the thing about it making any sense um it i it it's not that it doesn't like oh it's surprising what they're doing with episode nine whatever that's not what is made me my head explode it's that that title doesn't fit with the teaser trailer that precedes it which is mind-boggling right like the the, the teaser trailer does not lead to this title in any way whatsoever so so it's out there as a good old jj mystery box which is like what the hell do you think this title means? We're right, not going to tell you. With The Force yeah. Awakens, we had that literally started with, there has been an awakening, and The Last Jedi ends with Luke saying, the Jedi must die, you know, or whatever. Yeah, so. and you see Luke, which is like, yes, there's a Jedi, you know, but did anyone see any Skywalkers in this movie? I didn't. Do I have it right that this calls directly back to something that was specifically said by Darth Sidious Palpatine, whatever the heck you want to call him, uh, back in the prequels about, you know, the rise of Skywalker? It doesn't ring any bells, but then again, I have blocked most of those movies out. Is there a line where the Emperor says, like, arise, young Skywalker? Well, like, says, rise, when, he, when he's Darth Vader, but there's... Yeah, he's always asking you know, people to get to Skywalker, to the son rise. of Skywalker. Skywalker now sit down again. Now kneel. Now stand okay, on one too many foot. Palpatines. And spit. Too many Palpatines. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So we can we can go through. What is the what do they call that in Downton Abbey? Going through. <laughs> go through. Going go through. through. So here are the here are the theories that I've got that are not Zombie Luke Skywalker. Here are the theories that I've heard. One is that Skywalker is the name of what a force sensitive person like Rey is now that the Jedi are gone and that she is going to begin a new order where she's teaching people about the force, but she's done away with the, the Jedi and maybe holistic. Well, well, what would happen if they tried to do that is like the long lost Skywalker cousin would come out of the woodwork with his lawyers. And hey, like, oh, you don't have the rights to that name. Hey, it's my na- hey, hey, I'm Howell Skywalker and I, I have a copyright claim on this, man. Yeah, that's, you're using my name. You're appropriating my name. The other theory that I've seen is the one that kind of makes me roll my eyes, which is, aha, I told you Ray was a secret Skywalker um, or something. There and are people who no, just will no, not let they go. Well, see, I said this when we talked about the, the Last Jedi. Kylo Ren tells her your parents were nobody. Kylo Ren has ample motivation and ability to lie. 
Like everyone yep. took it at face value because it's yeah. more or less what they wanted to believe. Because I, of yeah, the way, I, I'll the, dispute you on that. Well, I think most people wanted to believe that she is. No, a Skywalker. no. I mean, like, like it fit with the movie. It fit with the movie of putting people in challenging situations and people, li- as evidence on this podcast, people like the idea of her not being related to Skywalker. Because that just seems like Totar. But I've always said you're taking what he said at face. He's not a reliable source. Maybe mm-hmm. it's true. Maybe he he had the truth on his side and could use the truth to try to motivate her to join him, and it didn't work or whatever. Or he could have just made that up because he's mean. I mean, like, because yep. it obviously yeah, upset but, but her. The whole point of everything in The Last Jedi is not just that, but, like, he, he doesn't even just say, like, oh, your parents are nobody. Like, he says, you know. He says what is the most hurtful thing possible but, to her. But he which says, is, you know it, you know the truth, right? Yeah, sure. Like, that's exactly what you say when you're trying to manipulate someone. Yeah, but that's I, exactly I what you say when you're gaslighting someone. I, I don't subscribe to the theory. I'm just saying uh, the door has always been open. And and if if we take the one theory that they're brother and sister, well, that's kind of his opinion of his parents. They're nobodies. He is not impressed by by Han or Leia, so he's telling. I would the really truth be taking lying. the whole. Oh my god! That's what we're going to throw be, it back to Jedi, isn't know. it? This is where that, we that find out their brother and sister. If Ray if Ray ends up being <laughs> oh. of the genetic Skywalker line, then Kelly Gamont will like her her campaign of rage will never end. Yeah. <laughs> It, it has an Aristotelian unity to it. An interesting I, position that this trilogy could put people in, in that The Last Jedi made all the people upset who wanted this sort of lineage and, you know, genetic connection and, and midichlorians or whatever, right? And then the 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 final movie could upset all the people who didn't like that idea. So everyone could be equally upset about it. <laughs> that is Kathleen Kennedy's perfect strategy to piss off all the fans and kill Star Wars for, forever. I think I saw that on Reddit somewhere. Those are the only two theories, though. This is the uh, Jedi being replaced by Skywalker. Well, dudes, I, I, and have a, I have a third one. I have a third one that I would posit, well, which is that because, it, of course, Zombie Luke okay, is fourth. number one. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, mine mine is is philosophical and and the you know goes back to the semi spiritual thing about the prophecy of there being one to bring balance to the Force, and the, that it is it is uh, it is it's an imagery reference back to the rise of Skywalker, the rise of Skywalker. And, you know, not just necessarily Anakin, not just necessarily Luke, not necessarily Ben Solo, who is of the Skywalker line, the, the rise of Skywalker, that that was the cautionary tale that to borrow something from Game of Thrones, the cautionary tale of patriarchal patrilineal um you know hero's journey being the end all be all way to to uh to to run things to you know we we go back to the prequels we were talking in the slack about how the jedis were jerks they were jerks yeah they're bad they were they were extrajudicial jerks they were space wizard cops that knew better than everybody because they had the biggest nastiest magic and they stole children and they stole children because Younglings. Shut up, Younglings. just trust us. We're we're going to steal these children. They're going to be fine. You're never going to see your mother murdered. again. That's how You'll we never it. see them again, but they'll be fine. And, and I think it is more about the arc of the whole series of the rise of Skywalker, not just Anakin, not just Luke, um, but just the whole the whole notion of there is going to be one hero to save us all. Well, that didn't work. And instead, it is going to be this young woman leading a team of people um as as a as a group um uh, representing things for the people not just one big authoritative authoritarian voice um you know you can have the best person the most well-intentioned person the most promising person and they can still grow up to be darth vader you can have the best most well-intentioned person and they can grow up to be luke skywalker and even even though loads of people uh like to believe that the last jedi didn't happen and he didn't fail even the the best most genuine good people can fail and and it's not 
something that you can put on one person's shoulders. Well, so it, it fits in one way. Like this is I don't subscribe to this theory either because it's JJ directing and I don't feel like this could work. And even just down to the color of the, the outline of Star Wars in the title, I don't think this would work. But uh, it, I I would enjoy the title and this does fit with with the teaser being a nod towards the entire six or nine movies Mm -hmm. uh being essentially a tragedy that basically what we saw was what happens the rise of skywalker is like the worst thing that has ever happened to the galaxy right Mm. and that this movie actually doesn't end with a triumph but actually ends with like not not totally a downer, but generally the, the, the trilogy is reframed as a tragedy, as as a cautionary tale, as everybody is is you know worse off than they were, and there is there's a, a you know a glimmer of hope, but in general, like the rise of Skywalker is ominous rather than triumphant. But the 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 title is not red like the last Jedi was; it's blue, and I think it's supposed to be hopeful. And I don't know how it makes right, sense, John. Yeah. At the at the end, it just starts the first one over again. Yeah. It's like the but rise of the third, got a the rise of the third Reich. <laughs> the rise of Skywalker is has not yeah. been good for the galaxy. But I don't I don't think they're going to cap it off as a tragedy. But I think that would work. I'd like to think that it ties in in some way to that great line uh, of Yoda's in the previous movie. You know, we are what they grow beyond. Which, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the the Rise of Skywalker could refer to re- a redemption arc for, or something or for uh, sort of continuing the moving beyond the old Jedi Order thing to uh, people creating something new, something like that. Well, and that he, he brings balance to the Force by sacrificing himself and training Rey. And she's the one who really... I, I, I really hope they're not harping the on the balance the of the Force because we know where that came from. And I'm, I, I think J.J. is all on board with <laughs> yeah. me and not... Not trying to resonate with those. <laughs> I did see. I did see him wearing a "I'm with Syracuse" shirt, so that's probably. Yeah. I don't see JJ yeah. doing tragedy. I'm, I'm with John. I, th- I think there's something interesting to the arc of in the prequel trilogy. You had the rise of Anakin Skywalker, the original trilogy, the rise of Luke Skywalker, and the final one, the rise of you know Ben Solo along that line. Mm-hmm. Well, well, it's more like reckoning with the rise of Skywalker in the exactly. previous two trilogies. That's all they've been doing in these three movies is reckoning with that crap. Like what the fallout from that. I, I come back around to, to what Kelly was saying earlier that I just I hope that um, that they are doing something to to break the wheel of 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 the cyclical nature of the Joseph Campbellian thing, even though, yeah, sure, that's where George started all this stuff. That was also 40 years ago. Um, I, I, I hope that we are going to get things that continue to surprise and delight us through the entire runtime of the movie. And we can't see what we're backing into halfway in. George was what we grew beyond. On that topic <laughs> yeah. that we mentioned before about like uh, resonating with Jedi and stuff, I kind of feel like the franchise is in a difficult situation as far as popular opinion goes, because uh, as far as The Force Awakens is concerned, I'm, I'm very much uh, of the opinion that it is not as strong an echo uh, of the original story. Obviously, there are tons of things that reference it, but I feel like it is still essentially a different story. And The Rise of Skywalker has a big problem. If they do literally anything that is remotely like Jedi, like if there is a scene in which Kylo Ren is conflicted and Rey tries to convince him of a thing, they're going to be like, oh my god, it's exactly the same as Jedi all over again. And yet, that is a natural progression of the story. They did it in The Last Jedi. Kylo Ren and Rey are trying to convince each other of the correctness of their various things. It's not as black and white maybe as it was in Jedi, but that already happened. I think that's why they did it there. It's going to happen in this movie, and if that was the only thing 
anything in this movie that was anything like Jedi, people would be like, "Ah, the Rise of Skywalker was just a rehash of Jedi." Like, it's there's literally no way they can they can do what is natural to the for the story. I mean, you just saw the Death Star. They're like, "Ah, Death Star, it's just a rehash of Jedi." Like, I feel like they're in a, a difficult situation, which is why if I was advising JJ, I would be like, "Look, people are going to say you're rehashing Jedi, literally, no matter what you do, because things that are natural for the story that you're actually telling." are in fact echoes of jedi just because stories are stories and you happen to have an evil character with a mask and like that ship is sailed like you've got that character you've got this conflict they're probably going to argue each other with each other about that stuff maybe he's going to die maybe at the end he's going to realize the error of his ways but still die anyway and it's be like oh it's just like jedi if the story is different and i think it has to be because the characters are different the settings are different the events are different like i'm not of the opinion that the story has any elements from a previous one it's just a straight rehash. Like, I'm a big proponent of The Force Awakens. Yes, I see where all the connections are, but it still feels like a fundamentally different story because the characters are different coming from different places and because it comes after the other ones. So I, I, I think that, mark my words, no matter what happens in this movie, there will be people who say it's a rehash of Jedi. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, I have that is not one of my concerns about this movie so at all. I'm going to make a prediction, which is that this movie is, and, and part of it is coming out of The Last Jedi, I think this movie is going to have as one of its central themes, we're not doing this again. That yeah. the repetition yes. of the other trilogies yeah, right. ends, totally agree. ends here. This is the end of an era. We're not going to keep the cycle going. We're not going to start a new Jedi training group. Like This ends now. We're going to put a final end to this cycle that has gone, the, the, as Moises said, the constant rise of a Skywalker who ruins everything. It ends here. <laughs> they, they can blow up all the kyber crystals. No, no, guys, we're going to try it a fourth time. It's going to work this time. Yeah, so I think that and i think that may be one of the reasons why that scene with with uh kylo ren and ray is in uh the last jedi is they don't need to do that now they can go to the but, next but, step but they which will. is like those two yeah. you can see those two have that relationship and obviously they're going to square off against each other in some fashion and it's their relationship like is rehashing at that point i, 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 I feel they will this do one. something different they will go they will zag when we expect them to zig yeah i agree and i i think it will be the first order develops a weapon that destroys the entire universe <laughs> <of> the <press laughs> <of a> button <laughs> done <laughs> well and for all for all the rehashing in in these movies the thing that stands th- that that like comes through in all of them is that we're we're actually confronting the mistakes of the past that we didn't realize were mistakes at the time they're correcting they're changing han meeting ben right luke facing up to what he did it's sort of you know it's not just rehashing it's not just repeating the same story beats it's it's building on them very nicely and when people do that in like novels and everything where the sins of the father are visited upon the son and you have to reckon with a family history everyone's like oh great storytelling and then to do it in movies it's like you're just making the same movie again it's like this is just a natural progression of stories this is the way they go we have one more thing to talk about which is the future of the franchise it was uh announced that after episode nine they're, they're not they're not doing the a movie every year thing anymore they're taking a break for a little while now we know that there are a couple of what have been billed as new trilogies feature film trilogies in development one of them is from benioff and weiss the guys who did game of thrones if you've it's an obscure fantasy tv show if you haven't heard of it <laughs> and uh, the other trilogy is from ryan johnson uh, director of uh, the last jedi and we're gonna be all about brooms but we also have the new disney plus streaming service which is going to bring in addition to some animated series the first and second ever live action 
Star Wars television series, an eight-part series called The Mandalorian. And uh, coming after that, another series featuring Diego Luna as uh, Cassian Andor from Rogue One. Which is interesting. And Alan Tudyk as K2SO. Yeah, exactly. I, I affectionately refer to it as Cass and K because they didn't announce a title for it. <laughs> so, uh, this is this after the release of episode nine, something happens uh, where Star Wars shifts gears. I mean, actually, before because the Mandalorian will come out before the movie is even out. Star Wars is shifting gears into something different. The Skywalker saga is at an end. They are not coming with another movie next year. They've got a bunch of TV extensions that they're doing on Disney Plus. It feels, and I remember going back to when we did that episode where we talked about uh, Disney buying Lucasfilm. We did that the shocked flashcast about that and what does this all mean? And they're going to do a new trilogy. I feel like since then, uh, you know, to now. Now, there have been bumps along the way, but now is the time where the initial conception of Disney-owned Star Wars is changing, and there's going to be, uh, you know, it needs to become something different, something that can have TV series, that can have multiple different, possibly unrelated movie trilogies. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on here, and I just, I thought it was worth talking about that for a little bit after our deep trailer analysis, because Star Wars is about to change. One of the interesting things about this in particular just says that both of those announced live action series take place within the scope of the Skywalker saga. Neither of them takes place after it. So it still leaves an open question of, is there something that fundamentally changes as of the end of episode nine to set this universe on the path for a new series, a new type of story. And not a prequel or like a Old right. Republic thing we've, or we've a... We've done a within, lot of those at Within this point. the whatever it is, 30-year period of the 40-year period of the nine Skywalker movies. Is there a new status quo that could have stories in it that are not having to fit their way into existing continuity like the Mandalorian and uh, the, the Cassian Andor story? Well, if you got two trilogies coming, like it makes... Uh, it would be weird to have both of the new the two new movie trilogies coming after all the movies and television shows chronologically it would make more sense to me for one of them to be distant future and one of them to be distant past and that lets you sort of bookend where you have you have connections from whatever the distant past trilogy is with like oh i can see where that's going to go and it's also a big universe they could be in totally different parts (laughs) jumping back to that shock announcement of them acquiring lucasfilm at the time the you know yes there were prestige tv series and everything but the idea was oh well star wars is movies and star wars is something that lives and breathes on movies we need a star wars movie every year we're gonna we're gonna have trilogies of movies interspersed with non-trilogy movies and i think with the thinking that they have now if they had it to do over again they would be doing solo as a tv series they would be doing rogue one as a tv series in fact they're doing rogue one as a tv series now um where when 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 they were initially making those decisions they were going well we just spent four billion dollars on this let's make sure that we keep these investors happy that are big fans of brand synergy and let's synergize some brand uh while we've got it right here on the table that was 2012 that was october of 2012 by the way episode 114 this is episode 455 so (laughs) time flies folks time flies so how long have they been thinking about making this pivot or did the the box office disappointment of solo just sort of accelerate things the fact they're 
They needed they needed the streaming service. That's the, that was the, that's the holdup. That played a part in the I'd say the development of the future standalone movies. I think that almost certainly affected that there there were yeah. movies that apparently they decided to can like the boba fett movie or whatever the boba fett movie was one of them um and possibly another standalone project somewhere in there but i yeah, think one i think what's interesting is that it does make the standalone movies start to feel like aberrations right like this this is a thing that we're going to try and, and on the face of it it made sense to say we're going to alternate sort of saga stuff with non-saga stuff but i think they've stepped back a little bit from that in realizing that unlike marvel which has done such a successful job of being able to put out two or three movies a year in most cases and be pretty successful with all of them i think star wars is a fundamentally different type of story and we talked a little bit about this in our slack earlier today because um, i think jason you were suggesting like why, why not go like full mcu on this essentially and and part of me wonders if that's that works very well for a universe of comic book heroes where everybody has their own stories and they are they do meet and, in and these giant crossovers like, and they and they and they explore different genres within the franchise every star wars movie feels kind of like a star wars movie i disagree i think rogue one and solo do have very distinct tones but that didn't necessarily resonate as broadly as lucasfilm thought they would i i like them both for different reasons but i think that they they got away from what a lot of people associate with star wars and that that made an impact and made them potentially reconsider like well how do we how do we recontextualize sort of what kind of stories we're telling here the mcu also has like the unit of mcu is the superhero that's the, they have a nice formula where the, yeah, like absolutely. each movie each movie is uh, connected to a superhero it also helps that most of the, all the superheroes they've used so far are established existing superheroes granted the public may have no idea who they are but that's the unit right it's like okay pick pluck a character from our giant catalog and figure out how to make a good movie out of them and insert them into the larger stream next movie pluck a character and then, and then you can do sequels to those and like it's a perfect formula where star wars is harder because especially once they wrap up the skywalker saga now it's like okay come up with new characters uh because they don't already exist and the unit is like come up with at least a three movie arc for the characters that you came up with to do a thing and that three movie arc then fits into the larger stream and and the the standalone uh you know the anthology and sort of trilogy movies that works when you're just filling out the nine but once you've done that like are you really going to plan a trilogy and say and also by the way plan the interstitial movies like intentionally don't put enough stuff in in the first episode of your trilogy so that we can have the 1.5 movie which is a standalone about a character that we hope people are interested enough from seeing the first movie like it's it's not as straightforward a formula as the mcu instead you can do an eight an eight episode tv series i I think i think i think the idea of them marvelizing things um it's not a matter of them marvelizing it it's a matter of disney has a model for this stuff that in in some ways you know you can't suddenly be telling a hold on hold on to your butts a story in space about star wars and that be different where in marvel doing guardians of the galaxy was a different thing than they'd been doing but there's a version of that that works in the star wars universe where they can you know they can do a, a droid series uh or you know or you know the, uh, i don't know about the person who star invented wars comedy the star wars horror movie we talked yeah. about that when, when lucas uh exactly Disney bought them All right and i mean the the marvel movies are all so distinct you know, the tone of Iron Man is totally different from the first Captain America, is totally different from Thor, is totally different from Guardians. they're recognizable as the same but thing. But they're all connected. Yeah, they're all and clearly they're all, part of the giant all, universe. Uh, vehicles for heroes. Each one of those was right. named after the hero that right. they are the vehicle for. And mm-hmm. the successful ones spawn sequels that increasingly become, uh, you know, 
what do you call it saga movies rather i don't know what the word is in the mcu but like 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 yeah. you know the winter soldier it's the, a captain america movie but it starts to also be kind of like just it's, a it's also three days of the condor yeah and, um, and it just becomes an mcu movie like eventually yeah. I, I often lose track of which movies are supposedly sequels to a character movie and which are basically like avengers you know where mm-hmm. it's right it's all of them together right. Yeah, but it is it is telling that Marvel can, as was mentioned earlier, release three movies in a year and nobody talks about Marvel fatigue. Well, people talk about it, but the box office doesn't show it. Whereas with Star Wars, it's sort of like, whoa, a Star Wars movie every year? Are you kidding? That's impossible. Because people think it's just going to be Skywalker, Skywalker, Skywalker. Like, well, it, and, and it has been yeah. so far because it's either been movies shoved into the gaps of the Skywalker saga or it's been the Skywalker saga. Imagine if every MCU movie was a Captain America movie or it was about, like, you know, Peggy Carter rest in peace or like you know or like that was it it was just there was no iron man there was no guardians of the galaxy if you're gonna give me nine movies about peggy carter i fail to see the problem i know but but like but imagine if every <laughs> mcu movie was about or tangentially related to captain america's well, story well i i would i would say what if every mcu movie was just another avengers movie that would be exhausting right. what if right? they were all tonally exactly the same the Avengers movies are the are the prestige epic um, saga, and all the other movies are theatrical fe- theatrical features that serve the purpose of a mega multi threaded George R R Martin James S A Corey yeah, style so the ch- the interconnected the narrative. From Game yeah, of they're 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 chapter serials that in in a lot of ways that's the kind of stuff that is much more common on TV. And Marvel just kind of lucked out blowing the box office open, making those as movies. So we'll see how the Mandalorian you know how, what what the reception is for that and how disney plus is feeling although i'm i'm excited and intrigued by the idea of telling some star wars stories on tv i always have felt like the strange uh separation between the the two great sci-fi fantasy uh, franchises of my youth star wars and star trek where that star trek excelled at tv and star wars excelled at movies and the the opposites were not really true um i i am fascinated to see how star wars live action tv really works and if it really works i think they're going to give it their best shot and i think it's got in the modern tv environment i think it's got a good chance of succeeding i do wonder on the movie side if the strategy really if they do go ahead with these trilogies are they going to you know alternate and every other year or every 18 months or yeah, like interleaving them you mean yeah yeah are they going be to be very you hard. know benioff weiss uh, I, one followed by ryan mm, johnson one followed by benioff that, weiss two i, don't, I feel like that, people just they're going to shoot all three at once well i don't see style. how you get, get these got one one of these groups on the hook and then say your yeah. first movie will be in a decade that's not yeah. 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 the setup the setup the setup of, of solo they were obviously planning to do more than one movie along that track they had signed those people to multiple year holding deals in the event that the first one did incredibly crazily well it, it did not did not re- it did not <laughs> did not so no. i mean i i think i no. think there may be something to there, there may be something to interleaving two different epic trilogies where there is a big event movie each year in the star wars universe but they're on diametrically opposed ends of the timeline um and or you could have one in the summer and one in the winter yeah <laughs> well and, you could do I them mean, you could do them as two separate stories that intersect with each other at various points because they are make them actually two simultaneous stories just at different sides of the galaxy yes. and have them intersect and have them meet in the final movie you know what i mean see that, that's what i think they, that when i talked about kind of marvelizing star wars that's sort of what i'm talking about is not necessarily having a bunch of standalone hero 
heroes essentially that meet up and to an space adventures i I really am talking about more like could you share a universe where you have a tv show and a couple of movie series that have some characters in common or have some events in common because marvel has shown that uh, people kind of dig that and that that might be a way for them to do it without going full on into you know doing aping what marvel is because star wars is not marvel they're not the same actually jason the most exciting thing to me about the mandalorian eight episodes yeah eight right episodes yeah. it's not 16 episodes it's not i don't know maybe 17 and we'll do an 18th if we want it it's more than more than a movie but um also not a giant giant tv show and i think that's good and and, and like i i would watch i know this will probably never happen because solo seems to have gotten a stink about it but like you know amelia clark is out of a job she's the show that she's mm-hmm. on this weird fantasy show game of thrones that's ending mm-hmm. and uh you know they they could do a i i, I like the miniseries idea on disney plus is a very interesting thing and it'll be interesting to see how they do it because it gives them the ability to do something that doesn't have the weight of a feature film but lets them tell a story and that maybe they'll do some interesting things with that so jason crazy idea they they did solo as a feature-length pilot movie for a concatenation <laughs> a of miniseries Pilot. that'll finish out that story <laughs> they were planning to do yeah it was a, it was a backdoor pilot that cost 300 million dollars yeah. or whatever yeah, it cost. no problem yeah uh, one thing that i want to say about star wars on tv is that it's actually been credibly demonstrated that star wars and tv work well together and it's been yes. demonstrated that way for years well you'll, you'll, special, you'll, right? you'll notice you'll notice chip that i said away, live John. A- I, I said live action tv because I, I think live action tv is not animated tv i'm sorry fans of animation i think they're different and i think you can be good at one and bad at the other and star mm-hmm. wars hasn't even tried so we'll see how they do your point is well spoke as uh, a certain gungan once said <laughs> what but, about um, the ewok adventures <laughs> uh and in terms of serialized storytelling and pacing and things like that you know some of that stuff does translate and um i think that they have an idea of how to pace a television story for star wars very well the fact that one of the people the person overseeing the series the animated series is also working on the mandalorian i think does does lend some credence to this idea that you know serialized storytelling i agree with chip some of those skills are portable they are not the exact same thing but dave filoni has definitely showed an ability to craft well thought out serial stories or that that sort of have arcs and character development and all the things on tv so uh, having him involved with the mandalorian i think is a is a really important important thing in doing some of that in-house as opposed to going outside it also makes a big deal in terms of having you know control over it and having it adhere to the kind of stories they've told before all right well i think we've reached the end and if you were ever wondering can the incomparable still do more than an hour for a trailer that's two minutes long the answer (laughs) is yes i don't even know why you asked because it's very clear we can do that and we still uh, can do that yes we can i would like to thank all of my panelists for being here dan moran thank you uh thanks so much for having me david j lore thank you thank you as always kelly gamont thank you had a great time thanks for having me chip sutter thank you thank you moises julian thank you I thought i was relaunching my podcast today turns out it was a bad day yeah, for that just uh <laughs> yeah other days there are other days and john syracuse thank you maybe luke makes bread blue bread maybe yeah <laughs> The rise of the it just got cut off. It's the rise of the, the Skywalker rise of bread. Skywalker is very consistent. He has a good temperature controlled area where he puts it's his a proving dough. Yeah, oven. Sure. The rise of sourdough proves much faster on Tatooine. Paul Hollywood cameo is going to be great, though. You got to admit, it's going to be great. <laughs> Yoda's got the best starter. 
All right. Swamp. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this ridiculous episode of The Incomparable. No more ridiculous than many others that we've done. But still, we will see you next week with uh, something completely different. <laughs> <laughs>